So, did you think about your little rebellious moment yet? Some of you, I said that, you're like, what does he know? Huh? Preachers know a lot, a lot we don't say, but we all have those moments, don't we, when we feel just a little bit rebellious. And of course, we play that out in different ways. Some of us, you know, stop doing this in our rebellion, or some of us start doing this in our rebellion. But we have these moments when we feel like, you know what, I know what I've been told. Mm -mm. I'm doing my own thing now. Familiar? Anybody want to fess up to anything real quick? We can. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, I need all the sermon material I can get, you know. We all have these moments, uh, don't we? Well, the last couple of weeks, we've been reintroduced to the story of Job. And if you remember Job, he is the ultimate example of righteousness and holiness. Job, as the story is portrayed, is the one who did everything right. Everything that he knew he was supposed to do to honor God and to care for his family. He's the one that even did things beyond what he was supposed to do, like just to make sure that he was doing right. And yet, had everything turned against him. He's the one who lost his family, lost his way of living, lost everything that was important today. And as he's going through uh, the story, hopefully you've had a chance to, uh, to read it again. I've encouraged you to do that because it's, it's good to, to, to hear the story uh, as a whole as we look at it in parts. And as you look at that story, you realize uh, Job, well, he's got these friends. He's got this wife. And, well, they haven't been all that helpful to him lately. His wife is the first one to ridicule him, to say, you're crazy. Why don't you go ahead and curse God and die and be over with it? Then he's got these friends. Well, I think they mean well. I think they're supposed to come across as being uh, well-meaning, loving, even God-fearing. But they just haven't been very helpful. And you kind of get to a point, you feel like Job, Job's feeling a little rebellious at this point because his friends haven't been very helpful. Now, To their credit, they probably learned in Sunday school somewhere that God takes care of those who are good. And so, so much of their conversation with Job is, look, Job, if you would just fess up, admit to what you did wrong, we promise we won't think any less of you. If you just put it out there, God will hear you and everything will be okay. That's what they've been taught. That's what they've learned. And that's what they know to be true. But Job, well, he's not buying it, is he? He's the one that's done everything right and had everything go wrong. We said that last week, didn't we? You can do everything right and still have everything go wrong. Do you remember that? And I think Job is at a point, well, he's kind of frustrated. As you read through this story, hopefully, entirely, you realize there's these scenes back and forth. It's Job's friends going out against Job, building an argument, and then Job replies to them. And then the friends again have another uh, argument against Job, and he replies again. And the text we have today, we're looking at one of Job's replies to some of the arguments one of his friends had made. And Job, I think, is feeling a little frustrated. Guys are not listening to me. Almost like he's had enough. Now that first chapter, the first verse that we read says that today also my complaint is bitter. 
And I suppose that's a good translation for us to use, but the word that's actually used there in Hebrew is the word for rebellious. So maybe Job is saying today also my complaint is a little rebellious. Now what in the world might he mean by that? I think we can understand what Job means if we look at the friends. Because Job has probably been taught the same thing that they've been taught. And one of the things that they've been taught is, the Almighty is the Almighty. You don't question the Almighty. Who do you think you are bringing yourself to the Almighty? So you and I come to church, and we talk about it being an experience and how we can come before God. Friends, in this world, that's not possible. You have somebody else go before God on your behalf. And who do you think you are, Job? Thinking you can present yourself to the Almighty. And so Job is feeling, I think, a little bit rebellious because he says, you know what? I don't care what you say. I know that if I could get a chance to go before God, God would listen to me. I know that God would think about all the things I've done right. I know God would think about how much I've tried to show my love to God, how much I've taken care of my family, and all I need is just that one moment to be with God and to explain it all. And I am sure God would hear me. The only problem is I can't find it. Everywhere I've ever been told to look for God, I've looked in front of me in prayer. I've turned behind me. God, nowhere to be found. I want you to imagine what kind of feeling. So you and I might get upset. We have a complaint that we have against maybe a company, right? And we call up that company on the phone, and what's the first thing we hear? Press 2 for English. Press 3 for billing. Your call will be answered in the order it was received in 72 hours. We get frustrated because we have this complaint against some company. We can't get a hold of anybody. Now imagine that you have this complaint that really matters, that has some kind of life implication, and you just want to have a chance before God, but you can't get a hold of God. How frustrating is that? How empty of a feeling is it to have that the God that you have loved and served all your life has suddenly, when you needed him the most, disappeared. I've had that conversation with people before, and some have said, well, okay, John, but Job is a story. No one would ever really feel that way about God. Really? See, there was this man named Jesus once, and he went around doing a lot of good things, A lot of great things, a lot of amazing things. 
Jesus had a particular call, and Jesus was faithful to that call, did everything he was supposed to do according to that call. And do you know what it got him? It got him introduced to the Roman way of doing things. Oh, all right, you think you're tough? Let us show you something, Mr. Jesus. On that Friday, as Jesus was there on that cross, like we're all familiar You don't have to know Hebrew, but if you've ever read Matthew 27, you know those words. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how Jesus felt. Jesus, kind of like Job, had all his friends around him, and you know they were kind of scattered. And as he was there, he felt the loneliness. He felt what it was like to be abandoned, maybe even to be forgotten. Now we recognize that phrase from the opening lines of Psalm 22. And if these are the dying words of Jesus, if these are the words that are on Jesus' mind, the moment when he felt the most forsaken. It might be good for us to think about those words as well. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. My God, I cry by night, That sound like something Job would say? And we think, well, that was Jesus. You know, that whole cross stuff, you know, it kind of had to happen to him for he, him to be what he was for all of us. And, you know, that's kind of an extreme example, John. Okay. What about those people who have to endure war? See, you and I, when we speak of war, we speak of war in a faraway place. Most of us don't understand what it's like to be in the middle of a war. What about the people of the Holocaust? How near did God feel to them? For many, it represents a tear in time where God was good, but then afterwards we had to kind of question how good God was. Well, John, again, those are extreme examples. Okay. What about the single mother who is doing everything she can to raise her kids right, to teach them to love God, to be faithful to God? And by all accounts, they've done everything the opposite. How does she feel then? What about the dad trying to make ends meet, trying and trying and trying to find a job to be able to provide for his family? He feels like, are you even even there listening to me? the couple, the marriage, striving to stay alive, feeling like no one else can hear them, no one else would understand them without judging eyes. These are all real moments of life, friends. And sometimes we are too quick, I think, to explain them away. Well, you know, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. Mm -hmm. Yes? What do we do in those moments when God seems 
so far away. What do we do when all we can do is question if God even wants to hear us? See, friends, if these were thoughts that Jesus himself had to deal with at one point in his life, as you and I are trying to be faithful to our call as God's people, what makes us think that we wouldn't have to deal with those kind of questions either? And while Job recognized that he couldn't find God, he still had a confidence. Now, you have to kind of read into that confidence as you go through his words. I mean, in his story, he's already asked God to take his life. He's already questioned why he was ever born. He's already gone through all these kinds of things. But even in that, there's still a confidence that if he could find God, God would listen. It's that confidence that Job has Friends, when he says, would God contend with me in the greatness of his power, which might mean something like, would God, being almighty and great, be willing to listen to me, be willing to hear me? Or would God just throw me aside, dismiss me, or reject me? And what is Job's answer? No. God wouldn't dismiss me or reject me. God would listen to me. Friends, that is our promise, too. Hebrews 4 reminds us then that since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, approach the throne of grace Boldness. That word boldness there, in the Greek language, you can't have that boldness without having something else first. This boldness that Hebrews speaks of, that we are to approach the throne of grace with, only comes when we have been able to let go of guilt. Some of us quite often feel guilty about what we've done or where we've been, and we feel like God isn't willing to answer us. God isn't willing to listen to us. But that boldness that Hebrews tells us to have to approach the throne of grace almost kind of reminds me of Job's rebellion. Because that boldness says, no. Look, I know what I've done. I know what I've said. I know what I haven't done and what I haven't said. I know what kind of person I have been. But I also know the God I serve. And because of what that God has done, I can have boldness. I can know what grace is. And since I have that grace, I can be bold. Friends, my encouragement for all of us here today is to have that boldness to go before God. To stand in rebellion because quite often... I know the church routine. been in church now for a little while. I've heard what church is supposed to be. Church is that place where you go and sit down quietly and mind your manners and listen and do what you're told. You need to rebel against that, y'all. That's not what church is. Church is about a group of people who are bold enough to say, God, why aren't you doing something? God, why? Are you even listening 
to me, God, you need to do something for the families in this church, for the families of this community. You need to do something in me to prepare me to be a part of your work. Friends, that is what it means to be church, to have that boldness to say, God, We have that boldness. We have that boldness. Hebrews tells us we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So with that boldness, would you pray with me so that we would be filled with God's mercy and grace for us and for a hurting world? loving God life hurts us life brings to us things that we don't understand things that happen to us for no apparent reason and God during the times when we feel like we can make sense of those things we thank you And for the times that we feel like we have no answer whatsoever, we pray that your presence would be very real to us. God, we've all had times when we've questioned and we've wondered where you are. It's our prayer now that your presence would be so unavoidable to us, wherever it is we are, so that we could indeed be filled with your grace. Fill us now with your presence. In the name of our Lord Jesus.